Podcast with me, Phil, and me, Paul, and we're back. Yes, we're, yes, we're back after two weeks. We're, well, I'm feeling refreshed and ready to go. I'm not too sure about you, though, Paul. No, I'm feeling sick and cold. But there you go. Oh dear. So, well, <laughs> it's reassuring to the listeners that nothing has changed. <laughs> well, later on the show, we're going to be talking about spare parts uh, from Big Finish. Yes, a story that in my current condition, I'm actually quite looking forward to that process, actually. I think that might do me a world of good. Well, we'll let's see what we think of that later on. But first, let's have some news. And first off, we've got some casting news for Doctor Who Series 8. And a gentleman by the name of Samuel Anderson has joined the cast. Uh, and he's the character name of Danny Pink. And apparently he's a fellow teacher at Coal Hill High School, as it's now called. Uh, working alongside Clara, and by the sounds of things, he said he's going to be a companion. Yes. Which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, how much of it is going to be? Yeah, is it going to be sort of like just... time, or is it just going to be when they're going to be making general returns? Could be, could be. I mean, it's quite interesting, actually. Um, Unfortunately, they've been comparing to Mickey Smith, and I don't know if it's just because... That the Sam Anderson is also black. I've got no idea. We don't even know what the character's going to be yet. Um, no, I mean it could be that there is this theory that he could end up being just sort of this recurring character in the sense of pretty much how Mickey Smith was, where he'd be sometimes companion in the TARDIS and sometimes left on Earth. Yeah, now one thing I I I, I do like about this is the fact that they return to Coal Hill School, and I just begin to wonder if they're trying to sort of generate some sort of Hartnell vibe. With this, because it's like a brand new set of regenerations. Maybe that's it's like it's like harking back to the very first series again in, in some yes, respects. Going to two teachers. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm 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 intrigued by this. I'm very intrigued by this. So I'm, I'm look, you know, looking forward to seeing how this um, how this turns out. To be honest. Yeah. So, yes. Very very interesting. Um, now, moving swiftly on, we've. Um, We've been sort of announcing recently that there was, um, for our Australian listeners, that there was a convention in there called the Hooniverse Convention, uh, which was uh, being run by Hub Productions. Well, unfortunately, this event has now been cancelled um, because Matt Smith has pulled out of the event due to family reasons. Yes. Yes, that's a, that's a, bit, of a, a bit of a shame. Uh, and apparently, Karen Gillan also pulled out a part of the tour. Last and, week as well. and obviously, I don't know how this reflects on Arthur Darvel. He's not considered to be good enough. Well, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking because I thought the poor old sod, he just sort of like, well, hang on, am I, not, am I not a sufficient draw? <laughs> Hello, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he said, well, if they're not, if they can't do it, I'm not yeah. going to do it. I, mean, yeah. I don't know, but yeah, I do feel a bit sorry for him actually. But uh, yeah, apparently he, Matt Smith released a statement saying that it, it's impossible for him to leave England at the moment. Um, yeah. So, but he's hoping to reschedule as soon as possible. So, for all of you um, who have bought tickets to that, um, Hub Productions will be in touch to refund your tickets. Now, uh, some DVD news. Now, first things first, the um, recent release of the Moonbase was available now, actually, from UK and US Amazon shops. 
Now, apparently there was a bit of a mistake on the DVD where a lot of people responsible for the, for the animated episodes, their credits are actually missing off the DVD. That's a bit of a shame, really. It's a bit, it? really, yeah. Put all that hard work in and you're not... Yeah, so um, Dan Hall, bless him, um, has sort of released a statement crediting um, quite a long list of animators they missed, which I find incredible, actually. They could have missed those people off. They said it was a technical error. So, yes. I don't know if, so I don't know if um... <laughs> technically someone cocked up. Yes. Well done. Well put. I think <laughs> spot on actually. <laughs> yeah. Um. I. I mean, I still haven't got round to buying this. Um. Yet, to be honest, I haven't yet. But... No. Uh, but uh, actually, there's still lots of stuff I'm still playing catch up on, buying wise for 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 DVDs. But. Uh... Yeah, but that's um, no, that's that's quite a big mistake. Quite a big mistake. But I'm glad to see they put it right. Anyway, they have sort of released a statement, just saying that uh, they should have received those credits, and uh, it's there for all to see. It's there for all to see now. Now the other bit of DVD news: there's been some other news related to the Doctor Who fiftieth anniversary collector's edition, because uh, the BBFC, the British Board of Film Classification, have cleared a number of extras for, for a future DVD release called the fiftieth anniversary collector's edition. So it, it's got the uh, Day of the Doctor on there. It's got the two introductions that were shown to the uh, to cinema viewers. One was with, with Matt Smith and David Tim. Uh, one with with uh, Strax, wasn't it? Yes. Um, and then it's all. What other things have been cleared for it is the Doctor Who 50th Anniversary Special, Doctor Who: The Ultimate Guide, uh, which, uh, which was on shown on BBC Three, and the Science of Doctor Who, which was hosted by Professor Brian Cox. Yes. Uh, I've got to be honest, there's not a lot there that makes me want to buy this. Unless that's a, yeah. a very small selection of some of the extras. You're, you're not a big fan of Professor Brian Cox. No, I? I'm not. I really am not. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I just don't well, I mean, it, it, it's not it. something that would make me go and buy this having already bought... I've already got it on Blu-ray, so I, I, I don't yeah. really want to go and buy this on, on DVD. As I, I haven't yet. yet. So I don't know uh. if you're going to get a... You've been biding your time. time. You? Yes. yes. I've been waiting. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so if this does actually then get out on Blu-ray, yeah. then obviously the temptation to buy this rather than the other version for me will be higher. Yes, yes. I, I, I'm just, I think I'll just stick to my um, Blu-ray edition because um, I must admit I'm getting kind of sort of fed up on, on sort of doubling up on a lot of... DVDs now because they keep releasing unless it's really worth buying and I'm more interested in sort of like the like the classic stories that get like a special edition treatment. Yeah, yeah. The collector's edition is is the key to this one, isn't it? Yes. Uh, yes, it, you've already bought this once. <laughs> now you've got to complete your collection. Yeah, exactly. So people tearing their hair out, going, "I must collect it. I must do it." You know, but no, I'm not going to be. Um, I'm not going to be tempted with this one. I don't think. You haven't got the hair, have you? No, I haven't. No, I've pulled it all out. <laughs> Now, um, speaking of uh, classic Doctor Who, now, we've sort of shied away from this, but for a number of weeks now, the, the, the subject of missing episodes has sort of been rumbling away in the background, doesn't it? Yes. And there does seem to be some sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, could you say it's a spat between Ian Levine and Philip Morris? I think Philip Morris has been rather dignified in his silence, actually. Yes, to be honest. It's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's been a slightly one-sided spat, hasn't it? Yes, it has. It it's has. been a venting of anger rather than a spat. Yeah. Now, for those of you who um, who follow us on our Facebook group, um, I think it was a couple of weeks back. Now I can't remember when it was. I posted something on there, basically about sort of Ian Levine yet again spitting out his dummy, 
And I sort of made the sort of the point of saying, well, Philip Morris, if he has found them, he has got no um, sort of compunction to hand them over if he doesn't want to. He doesn't owe us anything at all. No. Um, you know, it's not as if he's some sort of Doctor Who fan who sort of hauls them for his own satisfaction. Uh, you know, it's not like us. <laughs> no, not like us at all. No, um, our collection. No. Yeah, you know. So you know, really, sort of leave the guy alone. To be honest, you know, he done the best he can and there could be and if he has got any other episodes there could be very very good reasons as to why he hasn't handed them over yet they might not be even fit for consumption who knows who knows however he did an interview in the radio times which is sort of um snippets of which are sort of doing the rounds on the internet at the moment and but one thing he wasn't sort of quizzed on was these rumors about you know um there's been more serials found in this massive hall that apparently was it was it 11 containers worth of uh, videotapes or something, wasn't it? Yeah. And Ian Levine has sort of like been very, very critical of this, um, basically saying it's it's all Philip Morris's fault. And to paraphrase it, he's clearly dragging it out and playing with us. He's playing you all. Am I really the only one who can see this? Now, there's also another rather interesting piece um, released by um, Starburst magazine, uh, written by a guy called J.R. Sa- Southall. Which I think is quite a, a, a level-headed um, account of things, to be honest. And basically, he says, "Well, restoration thing is a very, very tricky thing to do, and you don't really want to start doing that if other things turn up, and you can. It's a, it's an expensive process to go through. So if you do that, it's, I mean, take um, like there's always this rumor going around that they found the last episode, the tenth planet. Well, they've just animated that, haven't they? Yeah." So I think this is this is what Jar Southern was. This is the point he's trying to make here: is the fact that you know it's a very very expensive thing to do to f- try and fill the gaps in missing episodes or try and restore stuff where you could be you could have leads in other places where you might find better versions of those episodes. So I can I can you know I can sort of understand people's frustrations, but at the same time I can understand perfectly understand what Jar Southern, um is talking about here. Yeah. I really oh, can. Yeah, I can do. I mean, it's, but I mean, also there's marketing reasons why you wouldn't want to release everything at once. Exactly, because I mean Just, they are they are coming to the end of. Um, well, they have come to the end now, haven't they? Yeah. Because uh, they were saying that the last one was going to be Terror of the Zygons, and that was it really until they found Web of Fear and uh, Enemy of the World. Yeah. So yeah, you know there, there could be more to come. Who knows? But I don't think you know this continual spitting your dummy out or throwing your teddy out of the pram is of use to anybody. Yeah. To be it, it, it's not going to make him do it. If, if, if it is, if it's a, if it's a business decision, it's not going to make him change his mind on that. No. And if exactly. it's a, and if it's purely a, a sorting out and actually categorizing the copies and whatever, then it's not going to make that any quicker either. So no, that's right. That's absolutely right. So I think it, it's, you know, I think a little bit of, um, sort of patience and a little bit more level-headedness is called for in this, to be honest. You know, and as I say, I don't, we're not here to start, start, you know, start having sort of personal attacks on anybody at all, but I, I do think a little bit of calm is called for from certain quarters. Yes. Definitely, definitely. Now, talking of calm, let's have a quick trip to Omega's Tack Corner. You pester me with trinkets! Now, Tat Corner this week is a little bit different because it's actually future tat or possible future tat. Um, 
Now, a very interesting thing happened during the week. Now, everyone's been clambering for a Doctor Who Lego crossover. Well, it appears that we could be one step closer to this now. Um, because there's a licence conflict has apparently been resolved, and apparently Doctor Who is now back on the table right. with regards to Lego. Now, it's come through a very, very weird thing. It's always comes... It's something called... Um, now, I hope I'm not pronounced this right it's called lego kyusu i don't know what that stands for but it's almost like a oh god what's that thing where people ask for funding that sort of um like done for a few films i can't think of the name of it at the moment but anyway yeah um, people, kickstarter kickstarter's the one for kickstarter yeah basically people submit their own ideas to to lego of sort of future licensing things and this has sort of now been added where it, previously it's been rejected so, but it doesn't mean to say that something's definitely going to happen because obviously this probably hasn't come from BBC Worldwide. No. But at least now it's not being dismissed out of hand. So fingers crossed, we might get something out of this, which I think it will certainly please me anyway. Not from yeah. the point, not from the point of view of I'll be playing with Doctor Who Lego. It's the fact that we could possibly get a Doctor Who Lego computer game. That's what I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm after. I'm after a Doctor Who Lego computer game. Everybody's been wanting you that. want the Lego. <laughs> well, probably by the time they resolve this issue, my kids will be old enough. <laughs> you're hoping you're going to get Lego Marco Polo characters that you can reshoot it yourself. Indeed, indeed. Well, my, my son has... Which, now... which should be done just in time for Philip Morris to release. <laughs> <laughs> well, my son has now gravitated towards Sticklebricks Bowl accounts. He's been playing them at the local playgroup, so only a matter of time before Lego appears on the scene, I think. Yes. So, uh, yeah, but I, I'm, I think there's a lot of people pleased to, to, to read that anyway. Very, very pleased. You couldn't care less, could you? <laughs> really? No. <laughs> As we said, folks, we've been away for two weeks, nothing's changed. <laughs> okay, then, folks, that's it for the news this week. So coming up very, very shortly is our review of Spare Parts. So that's it then. That was the news. Okay, everybody, it's time to talk Big Finish again. And this time we're going to be discussing the 2002 story, Spare Parts. It's taken six years training, but the sky's the limit today as mankind sets out on its mission to see the stars. This area is restricted to civilians. Why? What aren't we supposed to see? I saw your friend. Seemed like an amiable chap. The doctor? At Dodds. What were you doing there? Uh... What's happening? Oh, power cut. Just when I got the lights up. Sounds like your society's in its death throes. Not the end of the world. You could be right. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe Mondas doesn't have a future after all. Emergency generators! Get the backup generators running! Keep moving. It's too dark to see! No one leaves! No one! Dr. Van Allen, you are relieved of your duties. How dare you, Zeng! All this is my work! I created you! And I am superior to you. Be proud while you still have the capacity. That travesty that was once a human being is part of it. I don't know how long it'll take. I'm not even sure I want to stop it. But I can give you a wake-up call. It's up to you, not me, to change things and stop this horror once and for all. Clear these 
Okay, Paul, it is your turn to kick off the review. So, what do you think? Um, this was everything that Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel should have been, isn't it? As far as I was concerned. Uh, I would 100% agree with that. Um, and probably because this was so good and so well done like that, actually they then couldn't do that for the TV series. And we got the convoluted and rather disappointing... Yes, indeed, indeed. If not, if not to prejudge when we get to that in our review of... Yeah, well, as, as everybody, I mean, some of you may or may not know that um, it's been long said that Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel from David Tennant's um, first series, uh, season um, was partially based on this big finish story, Spare Parts, but yes. as we were going to, because there will be spoilers in this, there'll be spoilers, so be very, very careful, everybody. Um if you haven't heard this before, uh, the two stories have got very, very little in common, haven't they? Really? No. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what was? I mean, what did you particularly like about this one? Then, actually, as much as anything, just the atmosphere of it. You really did get the the feeling of this being a creepy cavern place where people were humanity was on its last legs. Yeah, they're, they're all hiding underground, aren't they? Under this big yeah. concrete dome, aren't they? And um, it really did have that right the way through it. I mean, it was just such an atmospheric story. Yeah, it was... Um, you, you, and very, very little, actually. Some of the big Finnish stories do tend to get into slightly... You do get a bit more comedic with them. This mm. had very little. It was very dark in that sense. Yeah, there was hardly any humour in this at all, was there? No, there only really probably wasn't. the gold leaf bit was probably the only thing that I can think of. Yeah. At the top of my head, that... Yeah. Because well, I mean, what I what I I liked about this because you you still had sort of I mean the whole thing sort of started off you had proto Cybermen didn't you really yeah before you got to the um I can say the first Cybermen appearance you, yeah you, you had wasn't quite planet. sure sure at the beginning how far down the production line so to speak you were were you did, were, were you just did you still have humans that had mechanical parts added mm. or had they gone to the full removal of all emotions and whatever. Well, sort of by the time the Doctor and this would get there, it's a little bit of everything, isn't it? Yeah. You then realise, actually, that the ones the, <clears throat> the ones you're encountering as police are still some way from that. Yeah. But there are fully-blown Cybermen up on the planet. Yeah. Surface. And the reason for that is, actually, you don't quite realise, is, is the first opening sec- sections of this story, isn't it? Of the spaceman... Going up to the well, say spaceman, but going up to the surface. Yeah, and um, I don't think freaked I, I don't, out by yeah, the exactly. fact that there's just so much openness there. Yeah, uh, there. Uh, that that was um, a, a sort of very, very sort of that sort of set the tone for it, really, didn't it? Yeah. To but be you honest. just thought you started off thinking that's very odd. So yeah. you wasn't quite realizing that that was actually what was happening. Not really. It. No. You know what was what was the other good thing about this story is it just basically let you work it out as you went along. There wasn't much in terms of, oh, well, this is then happens, that then happened, and, you know, this is yeah. how we get to here. You sort of learnt it as you went along. You had throwaway comments that you suddenly realised that later on was, oh, that's what that means. You see, that, that yeah, that's a good point, because I, 
I think for an audio story, I mean, usually audio stories, they have to signpost a lot to you. Yeah. Obviously through the dialogue. But in this, they, there wasn't a lot of that, was there? You, you, just, no. you sort of took things as... It, everything was done so very matter-of-factly. Yeah. You know, there, there wasn't sort of that, hey, look at that massive Cyberman coming towards us oh, from, from the left, or nothing was signed... You know I, mean? I know it's a very, very yeah. simple uh, way of explaining that, but um, there wasn't. There wasn't anything sort of signposted. It, 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 the, the, I mean, it was a four-part story, this one, as well. Yeah. The story was given a lot of time, a lot, a lot of room... And they could build on a lot of things as well, and 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 you really felt for the characters. You did the Hartley family. It was just, I mean, really, everything was done through the Hartley family's eyes, wasn't it? Yeah. What was you know what was going on in in the world, um, and also through um, people like Thomas Dodd. Yeah. Who was now? I couldn't actually figure out whether he was um, his little spare body parts um, business was a little sideline. Or that was his business. I, no, I think that was his business. Yeah, I couldn't quite figure... That was, that was pretty much his business. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, and talking about the ones, things that are signposted, you had the uh, Mr. Hartley making just the off-slight comment about selling the mo- selling his wife or sold your mother. And then yeah. you, you find out later on, isn't it, that he basically, when she died, he'd sold him to Thomas Dodd for spare parts. Yeah, just... Well, to put food on the table, basically. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That was, as we said at the beginning, it's a very, very grim story. Yeah, <laughs> extremely grim. I mean, it isn't so much the fact that the Cybermen you you realise very much are the natural course of how this whole civilization has gone. Mm. It wasn't just some sort of left, quick left turn that they took. No, as a big mistake. No. But they, you're... You're very it was much in really the, in, going. Yeah, yeah. I think at this point in sort of Mondas's history, with the, with the Fifth Doctor and Nissa arrive, they're very much in the final days of humanity, really, aren't they? Yeah, the spare parts thing has been going on for ages. By the sound of it, yeah. it's just the actual Cybermen yeah. changing it from actual donored organs and body parts to metal and plastic mm. was the only difference. Yeah. Because the other thing as well, this whole thing about you know people like being sort of called up, and that's one thing that you know, the whole thing about the Hartley family that um, the father, um, he's just known as Dad, really, isn't he? He's not known; he hasn't yeah. actually given a name, but he's got a son and a daughter, Frank and Yvonne, and Frank wants to join up, and this whole thing about joining up is, is is to be part of the crew to go to the surface. Yeah, but obviously, as you find out later on, that if you if you're called up, you're basically selected for um, to be processed. So, yeah, cyberdyes, what you want to call it, to be that's how you're sent to the surface. So, um, and they're already on the surface, the they whole, are. Yeah, the whole thing about they're going to break through to the surface is all a lie, yeah, because they're there already. Yeah, and the whole thing is it's, it's incredible. I think it's an absolute incredible story. And I mean, for, for my part, I must admit, I haven't listened to a lot of Big Finish compared to probably a lot of our listeners here, but I really don't think I've listened to a better story, yeah. I really don't. Um, as soon as I finished listen, listening to it, I listened to it again. Yeah. And it wasn't because it was anything to do to do with the podcast, uh, because we're reviewing it. It's because I really wanted to listen to it again, because I enjoyed it so much. And there was bits you sort of missed, and then you realised, actually, because as I say, you go back and you suddenly it, it makes sense later on. Yeah. Oh, God, completely. So... Um, I, mean, I mean, some other good things about this as well, 
I thought what must touch on sort of thing that are callbacks to Adric as yeah. well because Nyssa wants to change the course of history, doesn't she? Yeah, I mean that that's where it comes the driving force of it, isn't it, from her yeah. point of view, is that she sees this practice if they can stop the Cybermen now. Yeah. Shit, then Adric will still be alive. Yeah. And obviously the doctor's is you can tell in this story he's still very, very guilty. Yeah. About what happened to Adric, but he knows they cannot change one single thing. Well, until to a certain the extent, end, to until... a certain extent, yeah, to a certain extent, he 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 knows he can't. Yeah. And that's why he knows why he's got to get away from there. Yeah. Because he's worried that he will change it. Yeah. And then he tries to go for the sort of half-hearted thing about trying to make them realise what they're doing wrong, so they change it so that he doesn't then have to. Yeah. That's it, but I mean the other weird, the other thing as well that this sets up, and this is a massive spoiler um, for those who haven't listened to it, is that basically all the Cybermen after this story are based on the Doctor's template. Yeah, which I think was a nice little interesting thing to drop into it. That that's what makes them not sort of like invincible, but makes them a little bit more hardy, I should say. Yes, it, it solves problems with rejection and yeah, whatever. Yeah, which I thought was a, a very interesting thing to to drop in, and at the end, the Doctor thinks, well, maybe because they sort of got his template now, things will change. Yeah, but in the final, or at least the... he thinks he thinks they've succeeded in overthrowing, doesn't he? So yeah, that's it. But obviously, um, you find in the, in the very last scene that's not the case. No, but um, but there's other little things I liked as well. Um, is the fact you've you've almost sort of halfway there to everyone being called Cyberman because you've got um, anyone with a title. Has got man on the end of it, so you've got this um, this sister, which I um, I thought in the first listing was like a, um, a sister in the hospital, which she was actually a nun. Yeah, really wasn't she? And she's called Sister Man Constant, and you've got Doctor Allen, who's Doctor Man Allen, and so you're just one step away from Cyberman, aren't you? Yeah. At that point, well, I really I really did like that. I really like that. But the thing, the other thing as well is the none of them apart from say like the Hartley family, have got any redeeming features whatsoever, have they? Because, I mean, no. I mean Dr. Mallon seriously believes that the work she's doing is that she's going to save humanity. But yes. she is just, I don't know, a drunk, really, isn't she? She just sort of, anything goes yeah. wrong, she hits the <laughs> bottle, doesn't she? So. My thoughts on this was, she just met the wrong doctor, didn't she? If she'd met one or three, she'd have been well away. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. stories they'd have told... If it had been three, he would have bought lots of delicious gorgon soda as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah. I thought that was that was good. I'm also sister man constant. That, that was one of those sort of typical um, sort of Jobsworths who thinks I can't possibly be a selective of processing. I play. I'm, yeah. I'm an important person. I, I my, that's my job to do. And the, the thoughts you know, on that though was perhaps not quite. She wasn't perhaps actually realised at the end, towards the end, perhaps not quite as bad as you think, because she was just... They were trying to pick the ones that were um, ill or whatever. You, you realise why they picked Yvonne mm. was because she says she only probably had two weeks left to live anyway because of her illness that no one was letting on about. But by the time System and Constant got converted, she that was it was just full-blown conversion of all yeah. humans, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, oh, it, it had gone by then. Yeah, yeah, the whole, yeah, the whole any pretense that it was just going to be those were. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the, you know, the selected few because that was her job was to select. 
yeah the relevant people you know to to be um converted yeah but um but i honestly i did honestly think that the when Yvonne got converted that i thought when she oh, when yeah. she returned back home i really found that moving yeah that's what i was going to say actually that was probably in amongst the good story that was absolutely the highlight it was it really was it was well acted by everybody Basically, yeah. it really was, and I thought it was hard. And I don't like using this word lightly because that's sort of like a, it's a Stephen Moffatism, really. But it was heartbreaking. Yeah, it. I really did find that incredibly moving, and um, and considering you've yeah. got one, you've got one person who actually can't speak properly doing in the scene. You know yeah. how much of this was taken by the dad actually conveying the whole thing on that was just yeah amazing, really. And I like the the sort of twist they put on the the whole um, Christmas tree thing as yeah. well, as to what it symbolised. Yeah, and what what the bauble symbolised. Yeah, and the tinsel and the star and everything. I I, that, I thought that was very very well written. I thought we've got obviously got to mention that um, this is written by Mark Platt, and I, I mean ten out of ten. Yeah. To be honest, ten out of ten. I, I, I say, I absolutely, I absolutely love this. Yeah, there um, wasn't a week. There wasn't really a weak link with the story or the acting, was there? No, not at all. There was absolutely nothing to. There, I mean, there's probably only one thing, and I hate to be. I mean, this is really, really picky, but it was the uh, performance of the actor who played uh, Frank Hartley. Yeah, and it was just a little bit too whiny. I know, it, I know, his character was. You know, he he was jealous of his. Of his sister, yeah, he saw that as you know that you know it was she was dad's favorite, but the way the guy played him, it, it was it was always um, everything was delivered very very sort of whiny, and it wasn't sort of the first couple of episodes. I th- I, I and it's almost even on that second listen, I thought this is this is really beginning to grate on me now. But then it sort of as the story went on, I think his character changed. I think when he was that sort of. Um, whiny, what about me character? Because he yeah. was like that a lot, wasn't he? Why don't you? T- why, what yeah. about me? Why is it always her? And but it was just the way he was, it, just the way the lines were delivered. And I, I just, I didn't particularly enjoy that, to be honest. But so, but as it went on, it got better. Yeah, you know. But so I, I, I'm not. It didn't spoil my enjoyment by any by any stretch of the imagination because this is. Utterly outstanding. Yeah, I mean, my only—if we're now going to be picky, yeah—my um, only thing actually was the Doctor's reaction to Thomas Dodd being cybernized was a bit uh, yeah, off. Because yeah. you had the sort of oh, you know, because you, you have with Nissa thinking that the Cyberman that comes out is what the Doctor. Yeah, and you get him sort of coming out saying, "No, no, that wasn't that wasn't me. Yeah, that's that... just somebody else." Yeah. Thomas Dodd, don't worry about that. That doesn't mean that's not important. I'm beginning to wonder if it was it was a slight bit of the Doctor thinking, well, Thomas Dodd, what goes around comes around. Well, yeah, to a certain extent, but it's still not quite. Didn't really ring true with the Fifth Doctor, particularly the Fifth Doctor. No, whose reaction no. really to to any losses. Well, they did say though he did prefer the other Thomas Dodd. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, yeah. But, but, but it, I, I, I but it do was agree, just that though. it was that yeah. you know he sort of comes out jokingly to Nissa. Yeah. That no, 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 it's it's all right. It's not me. I'm I'm fine. You know. Yeah. As if he's been playing a game, which was a bit mm, not quite the 
pre- you're not pre- not quite the reaction you expect from the fifth yeah. doctor. No, I, I do no. agree. I do agree. Um, but that's aside, that is really, really being picky on this. <laughs> Um, well, I said my, my one was equally as picky, so we're, we're one all on that one. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I like the idea of um, the cyber planner as well. It was like 20 corpses sort of strung together, basically, wasn't it? Which were kept alive by this sort of um, ground-down nutrients of, well, dead bodies. Yeah. Basically, where they were, they were digging up the graveyards to grind up the, the, the bones, to for, which were the nutrients for the cyber planner, which I thought was... Again, it was grim. It was really grim, wasn't it? It was. I wasn't quite sure as to what the wine was going to do to them. Whether I missed that. Get them drunk, I think. (laughs) I think that was it. I think that was it, basically, just to get them drunk. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That's the only thing I can think of. But, yeah, I I mean, you know, um, I think a lot's been said about this one because, I say, it's released in 2002 and it is definitely a fan favourite. This one, and I can see why. And yeah. I finally listened to it. I can, I can certainly see why. Uh, it, it just gives you such a good now lead into to um, the tenth planet, doesn't it? Oh, completely, completely. Because it, it's it's a direct lead into that, isn't it? Yeah. To be honest, and you know, I'm and I'm a big. I mean, I'm a big fan of the Cybermen in, in the tenth planet because I I think that the way they look on screen is. I mean, I think it's really creepy. Just that thing—they just open their mouths. They don't move their mouths; just open the mouth, and the sound comes out, or a voice comes out of it. And I think, I mean, full credit to, to um, Nicholas Briggs for recreating the voices of the original Cybermen on this, and it just makes me think that they work so much better than anything that came after it. Yeah. I really do because you, you still got that human element to, the, to that version of Cybermen, which, but I mean now the, the might as well the might as well just be robots. Yeah. If you look, if you, if you look at something like uh, um, Nightmare in Silver, they are just robots now. There's there's not that that thing of like that you know you can't say they were once human. There's nothing there anymore. Yeah. There's no there's no feeling of pity for them for what they've lost. No. So I mean it's. Yeah, and, I, and I, as you say, the whole thing is very creepy. And I think it's, it's really down to the Cybermen themselves, really, because I think that the whole the way they're portrayed in this, they are a very, very creepy adversary. Yeah, really are. And you also get that thing of like that they're super strong as well, because every time they seem to sort of grab hold of someone, they end up breaking someone's bones, don't they? <laughs> yeah, I tell you. <laughs> but um, oh, no, oh, no, there's a couple of them get. Sort of knocked off, <laughs> not too much troll. Yeah, well, does one get uh, chucked into the vat of nutrients at the end as well? So. <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, you get the one that's uh, they they get in the bell tower is seems to have been quite easily succumbed. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. No, I, I mean you know it's something they say you know s- small niggles aside. It's absolute... <laughs> We're starting to pick it up. We are. No, we I just can't help it. Can we, we can't. Can we? It's been a long time since we last picked up like, picked holes in things, but I really don't want to do that because it is no. a, an utterly outstanding story. It really is. Yeah. But obviously, it's sort of, I mean, is there anything we've forgotten about, Paul? Do you think we we should we should cover? No, I, I, I think pretty much that that does cover it. Really, it's just yeah, it's it's just a really good story, really good acted. The the whole family thing and their loss is show-stopping in some bits of it. Yeah, it is show. Yeah, it is show-stopping. And, Absolutely. But right. then, but then you've got the the whole thing of this is such. It's a new 
story, but such a familiar feeling to those Cybermen. You you can see those Cybermen from the tenth planet. It's just Exactly. Incredible. It's so evocative of that, isn't it? Yeah. Completely. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, it's so evo- yeah, it, it's incredible. I think it's an absolutely incredible production, this. And I'm just sort of gutted I haven't listened to it until now. Yeah. Really am. Really am gutted I haven't listened to it till now. Um, and I must admit, we, we were in a quandary whether to do this one because I think our last big finish one was a Fifth Doctor story, wasn't it? Um, cert- well, certainly recently. Yeah, re- yeah. Um, no, the last one was Tom Baker. Now, wasn't it we yeah. did... Um, Red Dawn. Red Dawn, that's it. So yeah, so we were a bit conscious of doing it, but it's one. This is one story I really wanted to to look at, knowing that it was such a a popular story. Yeah, and, I mean, I've had it for a while. I hadn't actually. Yeah, it's and, got around um, to listening to. It. Yeah, and I'm certainly glad I did. I'm, I'm really glad we we decided to cover it uh, for this yeah. particular episode because um, I I don't regret it at all. And and it's one of those stories that I think I will definitely revisit just for enjoyment's sake. Yeah, not not to pick up on anything new, just because I thoroughly enjoyed listening to this story, and I will quite happily listen to it um, anytime. To be honest, absolutely anytime. Yeah. and it just makes you now want to go and listen to some more Big Finish as well. It does. It certainly does. And um, and I I would, if any of you out there haven't listened to Spare Parts yet, I know we we just spoiled it, spoil it for you. We spoiled <laughs> it for you. But honestly, <laughs> but to be quite honest, we. <laughs> We, I think, really, we've barely scratched the surface on just how yeah. good this story is. Yeah, we've just given you a brief highlights, but yeah. you really have to listen to it. You do have to listen to it, so it we... comes thoroughly recommended from us. Yes, indeed, it does. Indeed, it does. Now, um, this leads on to next week, then, doesn't it? Yes, we're back to our series three retrospective. <laughs> It's something I suspect isn't going to become thoroughly recommended. By no, us. it's not. It's not because next week we've reached the sound of drums. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ah, dear, but the one after that, Last of the Time Lords, oh, dear. Yes. We're a few weeks away from that one yet, but... <laughs> yeah, so next week, we're back to Series 3 Retrospective, and it is... Oh, God, sound the drums. <laughs> Some people may, may realise that we've started putting breaks into our schedule just to delay Well, this, this has got to be the longest Series Retrospective ever. This has taken over a year for us to get this far. <laughs> yes. And unfortunately, we still got there. <laughs> yeah, we still got one more episode to go after next week, Christ. Yeah. Oh, crikey. Uh, we're prejudging. We, we, may, we may have changed our minds. We, yes, because I must admit, I haven't watched that one in a long, long time, so I'm, I may be presently surprised. Yes. Do you reckon that? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Okay, everybody, let's wrap this up now. So, until next week, then, it is goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance.